Hello, dear viewers and listeners out there. Welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnson Yellen, and he remains Joshua Morrissey Hatton. And we bring you to the wrong side. I'm, oh, I'm, no. I'm over I here. love the fact that's what you shook your head at. Like, <laughs> he's over here. No, he's over here. <laughs> like now you just accept the Morrissey middle name. The, the problem with that was that I pointed in the wrong direction. So. <laughs> that's my concern, dude. <laughs> uh, it's extra, extra. It's all about whiskey. Mm. We chat about a whiskey news story of the day. We present it. We quote it. We have all sorts of flashing bullet points. And we get out of here in a tight 35. So far this season, we've had a little whiskey tasting going on in each episode. No tasting to get to today. We're recording this during Passover. And neither one of us is imbibing the grain during the Passover. Have you dipped a toe into the mezcal? Uh, so I, you know, I, I did a little bit. Normally what I do, and I do kosher for Passover, I just make sure that there's no grains in the ingredients list, which I know isn't always the best thing to be doing. The best thing to be doing is looking for the certification. But I did dip a toe. I had a little bit of mezcal, but for the most part, I've been I've been drinking some wine. Oh, you know what? I had cider. Cider is good during Passover. I nearly had a cider over the weekend, but I couldn't find one in my fridge, so I didn't. Uh yeah. Oh, and, oh, and one last, one last thing. Yeah, great, I great. did have mezcal though. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that, but uh, Tal Tal Kotner from um, Milk and Honey or M and H Distillery, I should say, gave me a bottle of Slivovitz from uh, an Israeli distillery, hmm. and I've told him that I just do not, I don't do Slivo, and he found me one that was remarkably good. Really nice. Wow. So, For those who don't know, can you describe Slivovitz? So Slivovitz is a brandy made from pear. That's all. And it, it just has this flavor that I typically don't like. But this well, one they distilled with. Flavor? Right. It's 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 hard. It's hard to define. Similar to how we talk about that suck, sucking a copper penny for some Irish whiskeys. There's a particular, like, did I say pear? I meant plum. Slivo is a, is a plum brandy. I apologize. It's this plummy metallic tartness mm. that that just doesn't really work for me in a, in a drink. And this one, it's got the plum, but it's also got apricots in there. And I think, and I think it may have pear as well. You so ever drink your Slivovitz from the freezer? No, should I? Yeah, goes down quite easy. It, it kind of takes away some of that weirdness. I don't quite know how to phrase it. I was trying to be quite correct there. Failed quite miserably. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of softens it in some ways. So there you go. Anyway, okay. you go. extra, anyway, extra. Yeah. It's all about Slivovitz. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Passover episode. <laughs> all of that just to say we will not be tasting whiskey during or at the end of today's episode. No, no. <laughs> we'll want to, but we won't. <laughs> but instead, yes, this this will remain empty for uh, for another for a little bit longer. There I'll you just go. Just be drinking Slivo. 
Had just be, slivel uh... straight from the freezer. So what are we covering this week, Joshua? We have a we have a story that has been doing the round since last summer. There has been a recent development, and then this summer we'll see the final development. Yeah, so the it's a story that came out June of last year, and and we we kind of missed it. I think we knew about it, but we we missed it when it was new news. So last June when it came out. We had other stories we were covering, and then July came along, and we just kind of moved on. This story has hit the news again because the person that we're about to talk about is about to be sentenced. And we're pulling from a few different articles this time around. So rather than highlight a specific author, though we may mention his or her names, you know, their names as we go through this, but rather than highlight a specific article title we're just simply saying cask investment con artists <laughs> must be stopped they must be stopped i don't think Predators. that's a controversial position do you like all predators should be stopped right they are predators let's right. stop them yes cask investment con artists disagree with today's show title <laughs> Uh, the cask investment con artist community. Absolutely. They're, yeah, they're yep. feeling triggered Ca right now. Yep. Cask investment con artist said, say, let us work. You know? Okay. Well, let's, let, let's, for those that may be on the fence uh, <laughs> about whether they should be trusting a con artist yeah. or not, let, let's, let's highlight the person in question. British con artist Casey Alexander faces up to. 20 years behind bars after he admitted guilt in a 13 million dollar fake wine and whiskey scam 13, 13 million, million is a decent chunk of change to con out of people and he was so smart about it that he he actually used three different company names to do this scamming with so Check we out. have them highlighted here. Charles Wynn LLC, Windsor Jones LLC, and Vintage Whiskey Casks. Um, I think all of these companies are, are now Kaputsky. They're, they're now folded. And there's another vintage company out there, but they've got nothing to do with this. There are multiple vintage them. companies out there. <laughs> I would be irate if I had uh, vintage and whiskey in my company title in this this Jamoke appeared. I would be, I'd be taking him to court for yet another reason. So, one of the articles that that I'd been reading and, and shared with you is one from uh, from NBC. Indeed, and from last it June. Start, right, and just just to really press this point again, if you're on the fence about whether <laughs> you should or should not trust a, a cask. A cask con artist, a whiskey con artist. Let's 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 look at this. Hundreds of people across the country, most of them elderly, were defrauded out of more than 13 million in an elaborate scheme that promised big returns on wine and whiskey investments, the Fed said. Hundreds it, of people. You target targeted a lot of people here in the US. Indeed. And for a for a British guy, a, a Londoner. To be plying his trade in America, that's dangerous business, right? That's 
when it talks about the elaborate scheme there, there was cold calling happening. There were people masquerading as fellow investors. There was mm-hmm. uh, uh, Casey. Is, is that the, cha- the chap's name? Casey? Uh, yeah. Casey, Casey Alexander. Yeah. Uh, Casey himself was conducting some in-person meetings uh, when flying into the United States. Like, yeah, real deal. Real deal going on here. Um, and And making promises. Right. This is the thing you and yeah. I have talked about all the way through cask investment. And obviously the lawyers want us to say not all cask investment schemes are fraudulent. That's what they agree want. With us our to lawyers, say. not yes, your head, I Joshua, not your head. Yes, I right. agree. That's that yes. Right. However, we do see things like expect a 30% ROI which is your return on investment, yeah. right? And I think that's the part where it starts to get a bit tricky, a bit troublesome, right? If you're investing in, in any market, you're invariably told prices can go down as well as up, right? You are taking on a risk here. And I sometimes worry that we're glossing over some of that in cask investment in the whiskey world where it's your investment will only increase expect 30 percent and that only works in a ponzi scheme right there's there's the the madoff stuff right madoff was able to give people unbelievable returns on investment because none of it was real (laughs) yeah so 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 two things let's highlight what you're saying there's a there's a quote from the affidavit in here that I want to highlight. And then I want to bring up an an example, Jason, that you and I didn't discuss prior to recording, but I think it's really apropos to the conversation. So the affidavit says, using aggressive and deceptive tactics, tactics, promising large returns on wine and whiskey investments, defendants were able to convince victims to wire funds or make checks out to the suspect companies to invest in purported wine or whiskey. Mm. Um, it's that aggressive and deceptive, right? But, but there are enough, there's, there's language around this that I think could be very deceptive. And then there's sensational articles that make cask investment seem like the yeah. thing to do. And, For sure. and the, the example I use, I'm going to need my calculator to, oh. to figure this math out. So you you may remember, and actually we we covered this last May or June, where someone had purchased a cask of Macallan 30 years ago <laughs> and then was able to sell it making some some really large sum of money. Let's, you know, a couple hundred thousand pounds, some something like that, a very large sum of money. That was one cask. Yeah. But it made it see the way it the way they wrote the article. And by they, I mean, there, it was in many different out, outlets. Mm-hmm. It had this feel of you may be set. You may be sitting on a 1944 penny that's worth a million dollars. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You know, go Everybody check your piggy bank. Right. 
Meanwhile, yep. everybody knows there's only about seven of those pennies in existence, and maybe only three <laughs> of them are have have her known whereabouts. So let's let's yeah. do let's do the same comparison with this. That one McAllen cask. If you've got one McAllen, one cask mm-hmm. out of around twenty two million casks of whiskey sloshing around at at any given time. <laughs> Then you have a point zero 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 five percent chance. And what does Homer Simpson to... say? Oh shit! What does he say in this? Uh, so you're saying I've got a chance? So you're saying I've got a chance? Oh, is that what he says? I thought it was the Dumb and Dumber guys. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is this is the point. So people like Casey Alexander and others are using sensational mm-hmm. articles like this. Mm-hmm. They're using undecipherable nomenclature that if you're not in the industry, you don't necessarily know what these words mean and whether or not you have a good deal or not. So yeah. I just, as, as we're talking about this, I just want to keep that yeah. out there. Yeah. Just, just as you're going in right now to the, the aggressive and deceptive tactics there's a, a piece in one of the articles about an 89-year-old man uh, uh, defrauded for more than $300,000 over 18 months, right? And he was sending checks where he was told to send checks. He was sending wire transfers where he was told to send wire transfers. It all looked like it was on the up and up, right? And... <laughs> And I know it's tough to go from cold calling to investment to wiring money, but con artists are incredibly good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and and the reason I bring this back to Madoff is Madoff was incredibly good at what he did. And there's not a lot of people turning around and saying, oh, the victims of Madoff should have known better, right? They were in the business of, of investments, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's accepted in the United States that if you've got some spare change around, you invest it, right? Yeah. Put it yeah. put it to retirement, put it to a rainy day fund, like do something with it. And so I, I always get a little bit uneasy when sometimes in, in cases like this or or in cases where con people are involved you hear things like well the 89 year old guy shouldn't have sent his money yeah but he did well he was looking to make money yeah everyone's looking to make money right he thought he was investing in something legitimate he was a victim of a con artist something wrong happened here and while you and i might be very down on the world of cask investment writ large even the legit side of it all, lawyer, lawyer, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It's just not our bag, man. That's all. <laughs> right. There's still a part to this where people can get conned. People can get parted from their money when they're simply looking to make a bit, when they're simply looking to make an investment and get a successful ROI. I, I always worry when we move, when we slide towards the victim blaming. What a, 
even to the part of a lot of their victims were elderly. Like they knew exactly who they were uh, oh, targeting. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, there's so many victims <laughs> that we could highlight. I mean, again, the article states, you know, there there were hundreds. Right. But there was there's one little bit in here that that I thought was kind of interesting, and it it talks about Al Alexander cold calling a third victim. And persuaded this person to buy $22,000 worth of whiskey from vintage whiskey casks. And this is what you had said, right? He, he flew out. He had in-person meetings. The victim mailed a check for $100,000 to buy more whiskey. Victim was contacted by the FBI and was thankfully able to prevent the check from being cashed. But, oh my gosh. Like... I, I think your example of Madoff is is per, is a perfect one, right? Because he was known to be a trusted person on <laughs> Wall Street, right? There's there's a reason why people have diplomas, certificates, um, things in place to be to be the person to help you with investments. That trusted person. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's all about legitimizing, right? Yeah. And if you fly in for a meeting and you're wearing the right suit and you've got someone masquerading as another successful investor, mm -hmm. in your own mind, you're putting all this together and you're coming up with something legitimate, which I think does bring us to a larger point here, which is how do you legitimize a cask investment firm? Like, they're, they're all able to turn around and say, look, we've been doing this for X number of years. Our investors have seen this, that, and the other. Well, yeah, that's what you're telling me, right? Well, could you send me a prospectus? Yeah, here's our prospectus. Okay, what, mm. what does the prospectus prove? Are you an LLC? Like you showed the three names previously, right? Yeah, there we go. We're an LLC. Okay, you've registered with somebody. Like, I don't know how you spot the bad one from the good one. Right, which there is one thing you can do to to help yourself out, and, and again, we're not in the business of helping people make cask investments. But if we can share any advice that doesn't get you, you know, fleeced, then uh, you know I'll sleep a little easier tonight. But this actually came from the BBC, uh, their their food, uh, the food program uh, podcast. They had one mm -hmm. that came out in January called The Wild West of Whiskey, From Cask Investments to Dram Scams. And it was it was Jess who turned us onto this and said, give, give oh, us yeah, a listen. Yeah. And, and in there, they talk about people investing, sending along their money, and receiving certificates of cask ownership. The trouble is you can print a certificate of cask ownership off your office printer in an afternoon and stick it in the mail and send it off to somebody. Mm. It does not mean you own the cask. It doesn't mean you have a legal right to declare yourself the owner of that cask. And what you do need to be receiving is a DO, a delivery order, which, and you and I talked about this before we hit record, if you are getting into cask investment 
and you think, well, I'm just buying this cask. It's going to sit in a warehouse and maybe in six months or a year or two years, three years, what have you, I'm going to sell this on and I, and I will make a return on that investment. The words delivery order have no reason to ever cross your mind. Like it, you don't nope. think it needs to be, it's not being delivered to your warehouse, right? <laughs> you're, you're a punter. And in this case, yeah. living in America, it's, and not it's likely not house. even, and it's likely not even moving from one warehouse to the other. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, yeah. but if you don't have a DO, you don't own the cask. And so if you are going to get into business with a cask investment firm, Make sure you know about DOs. Make sure you're receiving DOs. Make sure you've got something that obviously marks you out as the right and legal owner of said cask. So that's perfect. Here, here's a quote from one of the victims, right? Oh, perfect. Right. Their stock was in Scotland. They had documents that purported to be legal ownership. Back to what you said before it. And this is so important. I think we need to stress it again. A document that state that says it's a certificate of cask ownership, or really any document that says you own a cask that isn't a delivery order is not real. It doesn't yeah. mean any, you could print it on toilet paper. That's about as, as much as it's yeah. worth. So yeah. they got the documents. It purported that they had legal ownership. And then they became aware that if your name is not on this delivery order, which who would ever think a delivery yep. order yep. was um, a binding thing, um, <laughs> you know, then, then you have nothing. If your name is not on that DO that the warehouse receives, whether the cask moves from one warehouse to another or you're just changing the ownership of the cask, the changing of, of ownership is listed on that DO. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. And this is what yeah. people don't understand because I I think I'm a fairly smart person. Jason, I know you're a smart person. If we were not within the industry and we were yeah. interested in investing in a cask, if someone said to us, here's your certificate of cask ownership, you'd be like, fantastic. This is great. If they said to us, now we're going to give you this thing. It's called a DO or a delivery <laughs> order. Like, Where's my certificate of cask ownership, right? It's yeah, this sounds so, dodgy. What where, where are you taking it to? Why is it leaving the warehouse? Right, right. So let's not be so quick to 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 shame the victims because it's so easy Agreed. to be once a again. Once again, absolutely. Which which brings me back to you know a, a couple of decades ago, and, and I know new distilleries are still doing it to some extent, but do you remember the old um, the cask share programs and, and mates mm. would go in and they would buy a cask and, okay, I own a 20 of this cask and it, it sits at you know, the distillery that produced it. We, the one that we had done was, was with Glen Glassa uh, way mm -hmm. back in the day. And, and I feel like they sent us a certificate of cask ownership. Right? And so... <laughs> We Oops. we were the original rightful yeah. owners of the cask they filled, and and I, and I wonder if there's some crossover here, because I, I would imagine I don't have any numbers here. I would imagine some people who are getting into cask investment 
are some of the same people who were doing cask shares back in the day. Punters who have some knowledge of the industry and and want to own a cask here or there, and mm. and maybe instead of buying some new make from a new distillery or a reopened distillery, they're thinking, well, I'll buy some older stuff. I had success with my cask share. I'll go ahead and do a bit of cask investment. And I wonder if remembering back in the day, getting something from a distillery that says this is your cask, but I would I would even pause it there. Maybe. We were never, we were never really in ownership of that cask either. It remained the property of the distillery, but in our name, because it's not like we were using Wogers to buy the casks that were sitting in distillery warehouses. Correct. Yeah. So just really quickly pause here for those that don't know, a Wauger is is basically a document that a a UK based company can acquire from the HMRC, Her Majesty's RC Continue. Cola. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Her Majesty's RC Cola. Perfect. Uh, but it's basically a document that allows you to purchase casks and have those casks under your name and transferred from warehouse to warehouse under your name. And you're right, we, we didn't have a Wauger, so it would have been under that distillery. However, distilleries selling casks is not necessarily... It's not a scheme. They're just selling the cask. <laughs> the different the the difference being and distillery con artists must be stopped. <laughs> Today's controversial statement. The, you know, the, the difference being, and and I think people should know more about this and and you know, maybe distilleries should be able to to have the information that they're ready to share with investors that are overseas is if you buy a cask for five thousand pounds, I'm just throwing a number out there. That's just your cost for the liquid in the wood. That's it. It has, it has nothing to do with the bottling. It has nothing to do with labels and corks and capsules. And if you don't live within the UK, it has nothing to do with shipping overseas, taxes, customs, brokers, import, importation fees, distributor fees, retailer fees. Like There's so many other things beyond that, which is not the, dis the distillery's business. There's no doubt about it. So I'm glad that you 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 brought this bit up because distillery selling casks is not a scheme. They're just selling casks. There is more to it than that, but it's it's not a it's not a scheme in the way we're talking about this 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 very um, uh, predatory scheme that this mm -hmm. Casey Alexander and many mm -hmm. others are are doing. Which which brings up a point for me, which is. And you just mentioned them a second ago, right? The HMRC has protocols in place for legally, rightly owning casks, ultimately paying duty on them, right? Mm -hmm. Basically getting their tax money at the end of the day. And so the HMRC has, has protocols in place. The SWA is in the business of protecting Scotch, the reputation of Scotch around the world. So far, with cask investment in general, and now this guilty plea from a cask investment con artist, neither the SWA nor, nor HMRC have stepped up to make comment. And even even back to the the BBC 
podcast on the food program, the SWA had said this cask investment is not our business. You know, we don't want to see people getting fleeced or scammed, but that's not our business. We are in the business of supporting distilleries. That's our day-to-day focus. Exports. That's their focus, but they also work really hard to protect scotch, to protect anything that 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 relates to scotch. Think of the Canadian distillery that had the word Glenn, Glenn Brenton, I think it was. And and the SWA went after them saying, well, Glenn makes you think of Scotch whiskey and you're not a Scot, right? I mean, <laughs> like that's, that seemed a bit of a, a stretch. Um, and so I can, I can see them saying, well, maybe this is a stretch in their minds, but, but is it, is it really is, you know, we have, we have people being harmed through Scotch whiskey that is harmful to scotch as a brand to scotch being a brand right uh, yeah I, I have difficulty i have difficulty seeing this as clearly as they are seeing it because absolutely on the back of the global success story that is scotch you've got some nefarious practices coming in on the back of it. And, and, and one of the things for me in, in looking over you know, multiple articles about Casey Alexander is Casey Alexander is going to be a con man, right? Casey Alexander is going to figure out where he can make a con. We've talked about Madoff here. The reason I kept mentioning Madoff is because I didn't want to keep mentioning the Tinder swindler, but the Tinder swindler on Netflix is incredible. Absolutely I have no idea incredible. what you're talking about. Treat yourself. Go watch uh, the Tinder it, Swindler on uh, Netflix. Is it like a true crime kind of? It blah, is a blah, true blah. crime, yeah. right? And so, and so, con artists are going to be con artists. They're just going to go find what works, right? Mm. Is it going to be cars? Is it going to be watches? Is it going to be casks of whiskey and wine, right? Wine bottles, right? Con artists have been in the world of wine for a long time, right? Con artists are going to go find the next con. If that con is your industry, I feel like you might want to make a stronger statement than just, not for us. That's that's not us. We're, we're in this other side of the business. Yeah. I feel as if there's there's a bit of a silver lining to this, not 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 to cast schemes, not to cask investment, but to how this story came out. So I first I was reminded of this story uh, through a post that our our good friend David Sturk had on mm. Facebook, mm-hmm. and he linked to the Daily Mail article about this. And and I would urge people, even even if you don't read the Daily Mail, and, and I can understand why some people wouldn't. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't read it, but but just really quickly on that point, right? There are people that watch Fox News, there are people that watch MSNBC, and there are two different kinds of people 
but they both have their news channel to watch and mm-hmm. Fox won't watch MSNBC and vice versa. Right. And so people read the daily mail. There are people who wouldn't read it. You, you know what I mean? So, so that's why I say, I understand why some people wouldn't. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is much like Fox news or MSNBC, the daily mail has a very specific and, and loyal readership. A lot of them tend to be in the older crowd. Mm-hmm. And isn't it funny? Who are the people that Casey Alexander has targeted? It's the older yeah. people. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the elderly within the community that, that see these as opportunities. Oh, Someone bought a Macallan years ago, and now it's worth 300,000 pounds. Maybe I can make money on on this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you read through the Daily Mail article, and it it really points out how how much of a con man this guy was and how dangerous this entire scheme is, it makes me feel good that they put this article out because for their loyal readership, hopefully they'll – they won't take this with a grain of salt. They'll they'll tr- take it for what it is, and that it's scary business. And you could lose your shirt, you could lose your kid shirts, you could lose your grandkid shirts if if you let it go too far. So that's my silver lining here. Yeah, I, and I would add on to that. You you'd mentioned previously about the the McAllen cask being being in numerous places. My dad, uh, you know, who worked construction his entire life bought the daily record, right? Like mm. Glasgow's tabloid of record, right? He he bought the daily record every day of his life and the, the Sunday, the Sunday version on a Sunday. And the idea that you're a hardworking person who puts in the grind and the graph day in and day out and you read a story that says, oh, somebody bought something for cheap that's now worth an insane amount of money, right? It's that dream. It's that lottery ticket you talked about, the the, yeah. the penny that's worth something, right? It's the lottery ticket. It's that chance to be in the right place at the right time. And as you ran the numbers there, you're more likely to be going back to the pit face tomorrow than you are selling the the cask of Macallan that is suddenly worth a number you never ever imagined, right? Mm-hmm. For a for a story like this to get into the tabloids and to be able to demonstrate that yes, there's a chance you might have a lottery ticket, there's another chance that you're gonna get taken, right? It's it's that nobody likes to deflate the balloon, right? Nobody likes to deflate mm. someone's dreams. At the same time, you need to warn people to be careful, right? And and what what do we always say? What did our parents say to us? What have we said to our children? If it seems too good to be true, it is. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a number of people who are getting their legs pissed on and people are telling them it's raining. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. And 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 it, and it goes to show you how how easy it could be just just go to a casino. <laughs> Look at all the people sitting behind the the slot machines, you know, with the with their oxygen tanks and their and their cigarettes and drinks in hand. I mean, right. they're everybody is 
Let's do one more. What if? Oh, if absolutely. This, absolutely. And, could, and they're set up in such a like. I've put a $20 bill into the machines like, ooh, I've got it up to $35. Let's do this again. It's up to 50. This is awesome. And then, and then you're gone. And then you keep on going. Finally, your money is gone. It's so easy to get duped. And it's so easy to dupe people. And right. if we, we just... the Daily Mail article can somehow dissuade people from that tendency with, with this... Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Which, which is why I have a really hard time blaming the victims of this, right? Like, it's everyone's got a dream. Absolutely. Everyone's hoping that that next pull on the lever is going to be the win. Yeah. And it's probably not. <laughs> however, 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 third. $15 million out of this con. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of people believing in a dream. Right? And it and it yeah. shows if that's one guy pulling down 13 million from one con scheme, how many total dollars and pounds and euros are involved in cask investment right now? And if it is a question of the last one holding the cask um, there's going to be people losing their shirts, even in the legitimate ones as well. It's yeah. it's a dangerous game to be playing, and our advice remains: run in the opposite direction. Do not engage in cask investment schemes. The other bit of silver lining on this is Mr. Mann is going to be sent there. We go. On the there we go. July. Right and, and rightfully so. What, what did you say? He faces up to twenty yeah. years in prison. Up to twenty years and a quarter million dollar fine. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, does it become ten months and five hundred dollars? Does it? Does it get closer to twenty years and a quarter million dollars? Like, your face says, "Where's the? Where's the rest of that thirteen million dollars?" Yeah, why only find him for a for a small fraction right. of what he's duped other people for? Find him for at least that much. Find him for double that amount. Make him my, make a huge example out of him. My my guess is you either as an individual have to go after him in, in small claims court, or you would maybe have to get together as part of a, a class action lawsuit if there's enough of you and go after him. Like I I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. As I demonstrated earlier, I'm happy to say what our lawyers tell us to say, uh, which is hashtag not all investment firms, um, hashtag not all cask investment con artists, <laughs> hashtag please don't invest in the whole cask. <laughs> um, right. And so I, I think there's a breakdown there where you then have to individually go after the guy. Yeah. A guilty plea and a sentence I think would put the court in your favor of getting your, you know, getting your money, but he's probably spent it, right? That's how this works. I'm sure he flew first class to the meetings. I'm sure he showed up in the fanciest of cars, right? It's it's a you got to keep perpetuating the con because it's a con, right? That was that was Madoff, right? Madoff kept perpetuating the con. You have to spend the money to look like you're successful. So yeah, yep. 
Anyway, let's let's keep our eyes peeled for for July 11 and the news uh, around there, and let's see if we can get some good news on someone going down, even though terrible news for for those victims. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely terrible news. And and again, I really think he should be fined for much more. <laughs> I, I I I want a massive example to be made of him. To, to show the other scammers out there. Right. And, and not just that. To If you're finding him for at least the amount that he swindled people out of or doubling that, then the news story is even that much bigger. Then more people are made aware of it and are even more guarded. Like one of the, a great way to put these scammers out of business is to inform their potential victims so that their potential victims don't make a stupid decision. That's all. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's something in the books about what the maximum fine can be for wire fraud in the United States. It's probably this (laughs) quarter of a million dollars. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure that's it. But uh, anyway, Jason, uh, yes. Are we out of here? Well, yeah. Yes, we are. If if anybody uh, would like to drop us a story or or uh, or make comment, if any of our listeners want to drop us an email, I'll I'll come to why I said listeners in a second. If you want, if any listeners want to drop us an email, you can at mm-hmm. uh, same address as it's always been info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No Ian Whiskey. If you're one of our viewers here on YouTube, we've got the comments section below did i get that right it it's there right the comments aren't there comments i know earlier i said you were there when really you're there but comments the are comments. down okay. the comments are just and where's below. the subscribe button joshua the comments are below so after you smash that subscribe button <laughs> make a comment ah, awesome all right everybody it's been a tight 35 we will return to whiskey in the next ex- in the next episode of extracts and that's tasting not just discussing cask investment mm, con artists who must be tasting. stopped we'll get a little over our throats as well so until next time we'll get out of here the way we've been getting out of here for slightly over a year uh, by saying peace peace All L's will be replaced by D's. So we'll be speaking in Welsh, basically. Hello, listeners. My name is Jason Johnston Yedin. It's nothing like starting the second word before you finish the first. Hell, that's enough of that. Delo, dear, <laughs> Del, hey Del, oh, fucking hell's bells. Hell's <sighs> bells. All right, slow it down. Slow it down. <clears throat> Hello, dear listeners, and nope, I fucked that up as well. <sighs> right. Oh yeah, viewers and listeners. Yeah.